the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The book of Proverbs is very, very quotable. You know how a verse will just stick in your mind and it's not hard to memorize it and you want to recite it? Well, Proverbs is like that, and Proverbs chapter 14 is no exception. And we're going to be there today, and I invite you to turn in a Bible if you're at a place where you can get a copy of God's Word. Turn to Proverbs 14. Alex McFarland here, along with Bert Harper. And uh, we're so glad you're listening. Bert, I've got to ask you this. We're going to get to the Word of God, but I'm looking out my window here in central North Carolina, and guess what I'm staring at on the ground? Is it white? It's snow. Oh, it's not and cotton. Now, no, it, not down cotton. here in northeast Mississippi, <laughs> when you stare out the window and see white, it's usually cotton, but it's snow up there, huh? Well, we got snow. How about how about I send it down to you all? Well, we've had we've had our little bit of brush, and that was enough. So we had to go buy buy bread and milk, you know. So we've already had enough snow for the whole year. <laughs> you know, uh, remember Colonel Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken fame? Uh, one time I heard him in an interview, and he said, uh, "There's no such thing as bad weather. There's just different kinds of good weather." And that's a good perspective, I suppose, isn't it? It is. I, I would say that's true, except for tornadoes. Now, I'm telling you, well, I hadn't, yeah. I hadn't there, got anything go. good out of tornadoes yet. But anyway, yes. Uh, but, hey, listen to this. Um, I, I've loved this verse in Proverbs fourteen twelve, and we'll go back and cover all the this wonderful chapter. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that seems right to a man. You know, Bert, in sharing the gospel, talking with people about Christ, uh, many times I've had people say some variation. They'll say, well, you know, I'm as, I, I, the way I see it, I'm as good as anybody else. And if there is a heaven, I guess I've been good enough to get in. People say that. Well, that might seem right, but that's, that's not the way of salvation. And in life, there's so many ways that our opinions can get us in trouble. That's why we need the Word of God to tell us not opinion, but truth. Preach it, brother. Amen. Listen, this verse is so important. He would share it again in chapter 16, verse 25, the very same verse. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And so I, I highlighted that one, Alex. I've gone through, and several of them are highlighted but that's the one that I wanted to give special attention to because man has come up with many ways, religion, science, government, and we're living in a day when many, many people are wanting for government to take the place of God when our founding fathers knew and recognized that we're endowed by our Creator certain inalienable rights not the rights from a government, but the rights from God that the government recognized. And so mm. there's another verse that goes along with that. And let's put it in perspective, whether we get, I, I made sure we wanted to get to these two. Verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation, Amen. but sin Amen. is a reproach to any people. Now, again, a lot of people say, well, the Old Testament, it's talking about the, it's, it's talking about the Jewish state, Israel. 
but this one, righteousness exalt a nation, any nation. I don't care which nation it might be. It might be uh, Portugal. It might be the United States or it, or it might be Mexico. But whatever the nation, if it exalts righteousness, Alex, uh, that's the way it should go. But sin is reproach to any people. Again, that's any people, anywhere, anytime. So those two verses, you was talking about being quotable. Uh, chapter 14 here has two of the major ones. It's quoted again and again. Well, amen, amen. Let's go through, and Proverbs 14, you know, as Proverbs go, this is kind of one of the longer chapters because most of the chapters seems like have 20-some verses, and there are 35 verses in Proverbs 14. Uh, even if we can't get to each and every one, I would encourage you to read this. It won't take you long, but Proverbs is so rich with wisdom. Verse 1 says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish pluck it down with their hands. In other words, tear it down. And do you know what? Uh, wisdom will build your house, uh, as in a, a good, godly, successful life. He that walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he that is perverse in his ways despises him. Bert, a lot of people, they don't, they don't like the gospel, they don't like the Bible, they don't like truth, because deep, deep, deep down, they don't like the Lord. <laughs> that, is, that is the case. The latter part of verse 1 really, I think, speaks today. We're having a lot of wives walking away, mothers giving. Uh, again, the Bible makes it plain about men and women both being accountable to God, but there's always been that motherly instinct in mothers that the care, the nurture that they're able to give, but the foolish woman pulls it down with her hands. Uh, let me just share with you, the grass is not always greener on the other side. And and I've talked to women, oh, I, I got married before I knew what I was doing, and now they're getting out of that. Uh, listen, now, we're not talking about staying in abusive relationships. That's not what Bert and Alex talk about. But we're talking about when things get difficult and hard and uh, that man is not uh, caring for you as much as you think he should. Don't pull out too quick. Don't pull your house down on you too quick, Alex. You see, uh, oh, yeah. I, I think that's, you know, uh, give God time. I, I tell people a lot of times uh, they're seeking a divorce, they're seeking separation, and sometimes it's needed again because of abuse. And I understand that, and I've suggested that. But I said don't go to the court of divorce too quickly. Give God time and then uh, give an opportunity to for the person that has wronged you to demonstrate that there's a change in their life. So don't pull well, the house down upon you. You know, you're right, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but, you know, verse 9 says, fools make a mockery of sin, or they mock sin. Oh, it's no big deal, they might say. Verse 14, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Let me tell you, uh, God will fill you with blessing and joy, Um it's it's a, a sad state when you're filled up with your own ways or your own decisions. And and you're right. Many people have decided they they knew what was best and in the as we uh, echo verse 1, they tear down their own house. Don't 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 burn your own house down, folks. Let it be built on that solid foundation of God and his word. Um so much is in here about um 
things that are unrighteous. And broadly speaking, I mean, we could almost summarize the entire book of Proverbs by saying uh, the pathway of the Lord is the path of life and blessing. Uh, Sin, darkness, carnality, dishonesty, immorality, the pathway toward destruction. Choose your path carefully. Alex, uh, again, the Bible is filled with that. Proverbs is compounded with those that information. Verse 4, I, and I, I, I highlighted it. I, I thought, this is a little different than the others. And, and I wanted to, not a lot of time, but just a little time here. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. That's pretty mm-hmm. nice, isn't it? But yeah. much increase comes by the strength of an ox. In other words, if you're going to have an ox that brings increase into your livelihood, into your home, you're going to have to put up with what it, else it brings and, you know, clean up after the ox. Uh, a lot of people, they want it easy no matter what. Uh, uh, and if it's not easy, they're not going to give it time. The ox is a blessing. But it, it comes with work. And yeah. uh, so I, I thought that that one was a little bit different than a lot of the other Proverbs that, that was written, you know? Well, exactly, exactly. I mean, if you want increase, like it talks about, or much increase, you're going to need to get your hands dirty, you know? Yeah. And uh, um, there's been a, a number of variations of quotes, and supposedly Magellan said... Uh, that the only place the ship is safe is in the port, but that's not what ships are for. And if you wanna if you wanna go somewhere, you reach a destination, reach a goal, there's gotta be some work, there's gotta be some you know, they'll talk about sweat equity, you know. But uh that's right. Uh if if there's no ox, the crib might be clean, but there's no increase either. Um just more good practical wisdom. A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness utters lies. And, uh, you know, we're told in the Bible to not bear false witness. Be a person of truth. And, uh, Bert, I, I think you can, uh, you can be tactful and you can be diplomatic and even kind, and it doesn't have to come at the comp- compromise of truth, you know? Uh, it does. Now, uh, going along with that, you know, uh, truth-telling or false-telling, Verse 7 says, Go from the presence of a foolish man when you do not perceive in him the lips of knowledge. Go from him. Alex, there's a time, you know, flee youthful lust is what Paul would say. Joseph knew when to get away from Potiphar's wife. But go from the presence of a foolish man. Don't hang around. You remember yesterday we was talking about uh, a person who is wise well, hang around those who are wise, you know? Yeah, and exactly. the, So don't hang around with those foolish people. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't have a casual relationship with them, one that you can recognize them and they might would come to you for real guidance. But don't take the advice of a foolish man. Don't hang around them and, and, and retain their teaching. Uh, avoid those things. It's pretty plain on that one, isn't it? Well, it is. It really is. You know, I, I love this. Uh, verse 7, go go away. Get out of the presence of a fool. But verse 8, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Okay, to understand your way means to really take inventory. Um, the Bible says a lot of things like this. Examine yourself and see if ye be in the faith. 
you know? Bert, don't you think we have to, with the help of the Lord and, well, the help of the Holy Spirit and in accord with God's Word, I, I think we, we are wise to evaluate ourselves, take inventory, and like it says, to understand our way, because sometimes our way might have drifted. And, and like we've cited many New Testament verses about repentance and restoration, um, I think it's, it's wise, like it says, to understand our way in light of God's Word. You know, the Lord's Supper, before anyone takes it, says that a man examine himself, whether he's in the faith. There's two things that the Bible really emphasizes that I think sometimes we in the pulpit, even on the radio here, uh, we don't emphasize enough in that it's examining yourself and accountability. Accountability has the idea that someone else is examining you too. They're looking at you. Uh, if you if you buy a new vehicle, one of the first things you better learn are the blind spots. You know where? Oh my goodness! Find out where those blind spots. We have blind spots. We can examine ourselves, but also we need that uh, people that would hold us accountable to point those out. And uh, that's why it's good to have a wife that will will help you in those areas. Help. I better put Bert on there that helps Bert in those areas. You know, Amen. so examine well, yourself and also be accountable. Those are those are great advice that Solomon gives. Exactly. Well, I hear a break coming up. This is Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex, we're so honored that you're listening. We sincerely appreciate that you're listening to the show today. Stay with us. We're going to go through more of Proverbs 14 after this brief break, and we'll get to your Bible questions live here on the American Family Radio Network. Exploring the Word is back right after this. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Christine Warmuth, Secretary of the Army. She has statutory responsibility for Army matters such as manpower, personnel, weapon systems, and communications. 1 Corinthians 14.40 reminds us of the importance of organization but all things should be done decently and in order. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Christine Warmuth in her role as Secretary of the Army. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says there are a lot of people these days who are more concerned about what they look like than what they are like. He has an example to share with us today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Many of us are like the lady who came to our church's gym and went to the workout room and she looked the part, had the workout uniform, had the wristbands, had the, the headband had the towel across her shoulder. She was ready to get to work. She got on the treadmill, and after five minutes on the treadmill, she got off and said to everybody in there, I hope y'all have a nice day. Everything about her looked like she was fully there. But when push came to shove and her body had to be engaged, it became crystal clear that she was there for show. She wasn't there for transformation. Far too many Christians approach 
our faith for show. We know how to look the Christian part, use the Christianese, hang out with the Christian people, carry the Christian book, but we're there for show. We're not there because we are owned by another. Anything God is going to do for you, he needs access to your body. He says, present your body, your humanity, and all of its parts, present it to God. He says, I want you to set yourself, your humanity, surrender all of your humanity to me. And that is your worship. If you're ready to let God remodel your relationship with him, start by checking out Dr. Evans' CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. And we're in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14. And uh, sometimes people will join us after it begins, and they start looking all over. Which proverb is it? Well, it's Proverbs 14. Let me read verse 32. That doesn't mean we're not going to go back and bring some more. But Alex and I, especially this one with 35 different verses, uh, impossible for us to cover it in one day. But verse 32, again, what I've looked at, Alex, is try to find those that leads to salvation, that lets us know that it's just not morality that's good, not just good decisions, but it's a life that's in the way of God. Listen to this. The wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. What a Hmm. statement. You know, a refuge. We, We have a refuge in life. But guess what? We have that refuge in death as well for the believer, don't we? Amen. Amen. And, you know, I like the word in verse 11, uh, the house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. You know, we often talk about our, our body as a temple, temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, our relationship with the Lord, you know, it says the tabernacle of God is with man. One day it will be. But I like the way it says in verse 11, the tabernacle of the upright. Now, a tabernacle is a, is a place of worship, but when you're a Christian, your heart, your mind, all of your time, everything about your life is an experience of worship, really, isn't it? It is. And again, you know, I was talking to a music minister. He, he's the music director in his church today. And we were talking about worship, and I said, so many people act like the worship stops when the music stops. And I said, if that's the case, we're in poor shape. I said, the Word of God being proclaimed and honored and read should be of greater worship than any. And so what what you were just saying here, Alex, concerning what, verse 11, uh, the worship that our tabernacle uh, yes, it's worshiping Monday, not just Sunday, but Monday all the way through Sunday. Every day should be a worship. Let me throw this in. If my private worship time with God and my time alone with God is not what it should be, I found out my corporate worship with others not what it should be as well. 
Uh, mm. It seems like they feed one another. The more I worship corporatively and it's real and God gets into my heart, the more I want to spend time with him day by day. And the more I spend time with him day by day, it draws me in to want to be there with God's people to worship him collectively. Amen. Amen. Well, that, that's so true. And, uh, you know, we read earlier, verse 12, there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Uh, so that's why we, we say, let's choose Christ's way. Uh, even in laughter, the heart is sor- sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. Well, you know what, Bert? Uh, it's good to laugh. It's good to be happy. God, God's people are a joyful people, aren't they? But um, I think what 13 is saying is, uh, you know, even in this world, uh, apart from the Lord and apart from a perspective that is eternal, there, there's no lasting joy in this world. Even uh, there, there's heaviness of heart, even in the best this world can offer. But when you've got that eternal perspective, I mean, you've got something better than laughter. You've got joy and stability. Bert, don't you think that's one of the greatest uh, perks of being a Christian is come what may, good times, bad times, at all times, look, I know I am secure in Jesus. I mean, the the uh, I guess the emotional stability that comes with knowing we're, we're in the hands of the Lord, that's just one of the greatest perks of being a believer, isn't it? Amen. Joy. Uh, you know, I've heard parents say, I just want my children to be happy. Well, I, I'll be frank. I, I want them to be happy, but more than that, I want them to be holy. And, and that Amen. relationship with the Lord is joy. Uh, the book of Philippians, if you're having difficulty rejoicing today, let me suggest read the book of Philippians. Paul would, would talk about it. He was in jail when he wrote the church at Philippi, and uh, things were difficult. He didn't know for certain his future. But he, the whole the whole theme in the book of Philippians is rejoicing in the Lord. Uh, and so that is from within, regardless of your circumstance. Uh, the other day I heard this statement says, the same hot water that makes an egg hard is the mm-hmm. same water that makes a potato soft. In other words, it's not the circumstances, it's the substance. So when the substance you are in the difficult times, those difficult times re- reveal the substance of what you are, what you're made out of. Is it righteousness or is it foolishness? Is it simplicity or is it simple? By simple, they mean simple-minded, not simple uh, thinking, but simple-minded or is it is it wisdom? So, Alex, the circumstances in life uh, tend to show us who we are and what we are, aren't, don't they? Amen. They, they really do. Um, you know, uh, moving along, and oh my goodness, I wish we had uh, two hours to go through all of these wonderful truths. Verse 15, let me camp out here for a second. It says, the simple believes every word, but the prudent man looks well to his going. L- literally means, you know, carefully checks things out. Bert, I've, I've had people that were skeptics about Christianity, and I would say, you know, why, you know, why do you not believe? And they'll say, well, you know, I, I had a friend who just told me that 
uh, the Bible's full of errors. Or I had a professor in college who was an atheist, and, and that influenced me, or, or whatever. Let, let me just say, regarding life and the important things, God, where you stand with the Lord, and, and morality, don't be simple and, and believe just the mindset of the world. You know, there's, there's this, this word zeitgeist, uh, and it's a German word, and it means the spirit of the times. I've had people say, well, you know, things have changed. Well, no, they, re- they haven't. I mean, truth is still truth. And let, let me just say this regarding sin, repentance, salvation, righteousness, the way to heaven, which is through Christ alone. Those things, don't, they don't change, Bert. And when it says the simple believes every word, it's really Im- implying just going with the flow and just the, the mindset of the culture at the moment. No, believe the timeless truth of God's word. You know, Paul said, test the spirits. Uh, you know, what did they do? You remember the church at Berea? The, Paul went from, uh, from Thessalonica to Berea, and he said these were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures daily to see if what he was teaching was true. And he wasn't, he, he wasn't complaining about them checking him out through the word of God. He was bragging on them. Yes, every teaching deserves to be examined by the Word of God. And so that's what he, what he does here. You, you check it out according. The Bible is your standard. Jesus is your standard. Not the science teacher, not that history professor, but the Word of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know the Word of God as best you can. And everything you bring up, bring it in light of the Word of God. Does it line up with who Jesus is and what he taught? Alex, uh, again, there's just so many here, but I I didn't want to skip verse 17. He who is quick-tempered acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Be careful being quick-tempered. And don't you yeah. say, well, that's the way I am. Well, change the way you are. I mean, that's what God does. He comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes all things new. He changes things in your life. Don't be too quick to, to fire out. Now, you, you've got learn. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Uh, doesn't sound like anger is a sin, but anger misused and abused is a sin. And so here, don't be quick-tempered. Don't be too quick quick to to make that flash judgment and and let God demonstrate and show again you was talking earlier we were talking about it earlier examining things we need to examine those things that make us mad those things that make us happy examine them to see what it reveals about us but here he who is quick tempered acts foolishly better be quick to to hold your temper quick to hold your temper you catch the play on words I know that's good. That that is really powerful. Um, the I like this in verse eighteen. The simple inherit folly, but the but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The op- see these opposites here: folly versus knowledge. Uh, that which is false and irrelevant versus that which is true and eternal. Um, on and on we could go. Goodness, the evil bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Now that, there's an old song, um, Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out, if you've ever heard that old 
everybody's recorded that song, all the singers of old. And it said, you know, um, uh, nobody knows you when you're down and out, but when you get your hands on a dollar, suddenly the friends come out of the woodwork, don't they? <laughs> the, it says, the rich man has many friends, but they're, they're only friends because he's, he's rich. Alex, now, I verse got, 21. Uh, before you leave there, does that not make you think of the prodigal son when he left? As long as his money lasted, he had friends, but when that money ran out, he had to get a job pe- uh, feeding swine. Where were those? Where something? were those friends? You know. Yeah, exactly. Fair weather friends. Um, verse twenty one says, "He who despises his neighbor sins, but he that has mercy on the poor, happy is he." We are to love our neighbor. I mean, the verse twenty one here of Proverbs fourteen is so much like what the Lord said that we're to love our neighbor. Um, verse. Uh, let me go on down there to 23. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to poverty. Or some translations say penury, um, which is having to live on borrowed money and interest. But poverty, listen, in there, in labor there's profit, isn't there? There is. And, and the, every one of these seems to build on the other. But 27 I'll, have you noticed a lot of it'll come to one and it kind of sums up the other? Listen to verse Amen. 27. I think it does sum up that before and after. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to avoid the snares of death. In other words, fearing God means respecting God, knowing God, obeying God, following the Lord. All of those are involved in the fear of the Lord. It is a fountain of life. Uh I could not help but think about John chapter 4 when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and talking about a fountain building up inside of you. Alex, uh, knowing Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord gives a wealth of in uh, of that nourishment of, of what you need from the inside out. It starts there and it, it builds, and it's a fountain of life. Now, what else happens to the fountain? Others drink from it. You catch it? In other words, Amen. when Amen. we are following the Lord and he is Lord and we're fearing him, we're walking in his steps, not only are we uh, having a shadow, but we cast a shadow that others might rest under it. And so, listen, following the Lord is not just a blessing for you. It's a blessing for your family. It's a blessing for your community. It's even a blessing for your nation. That's why in verse 34, righteousness exalts a nation. So following the Lord has benefits that you cannot even measure. Amen. You know, it's interesting how um, verse 29 kind of reminds me of Proverbs 15.1. A memory verse I learned as a young Christian was Proverbs 15.1 about a soft answer turning away wrath. Well, verse 29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalts folly. Uh, Let the Holy Spirit rein you in. Bert, I need the Holy Spirit to rein me in, you know. Benjamin Franklin, who was brilliant in many ways, he said, a man of great anger rides a mad horse. (laughs) And and what he meant by that was your your anger will take you places, but not good places. Uh, Verse 29 he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. May may that be so in our lives. And, and isn't that doesn't that compare with the verse that we read in verse seventeen? Who 
he who is quick-tempered acts foolishly, but he mm-hmm. who is slow to wrath has great understanding. So if you have a tendency in your life to to jump, you know, they call it jump off the handle, do it quickly, uh, snap. You know, you can snap fly easily, off. fly I'm, off the handle. That's, yeah. the, that's the cliche. Listen, that can be changed. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. The Amen. fruit of the Spirit brings discipline in your life where, okay, I know this is who I am, but Christ in me overcomes that who I am. And Bert, Yes, go ahead. I, I've had a lot of people say to me, they'll say, well, you know what? I just can't change. That's that's very likely true. But you know what? You can be changed yep. by the Lord. Amen. Alex, one more here. We're running real close time. Verse 32 again. The wicked is banished into wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. I know I referred to that, but Amen. if you're looking for a refuge in this life, Jesus, if you're looking for a refuge after death, Jesus, and the way you do that is to come in relationship with him. It's not joining a church. It's not being baptized. It's not being a part of a group. It is a relationship where you admit you're lost. You can't save yourself. You see yourself is undone. You recognize Jesus is Lord, that he went to the cross. He paid the price for you. He rose again the third day, and by faith, you trust him with your life. If you haven't done that, I pray that you would do that. He is that refuge, isn't he, Alex? Amen. Do you remember years ago there was a song by Sandy Patty, There is a Savior? Oh, that's a great song, it folks. It is. It is. That refuge is Jesus. Stay tuned. Hey, we're going to get to calls. The number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Call us. We'd love to hear from you today on Exploring the Word. Don't go away. We're back after this. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. In honor of the grand opening of the Don Wildman Center for Cultural Transformation on February 1st, AFA will re-release The God Who Speaks on our new streaming platform and in a special limited edition DVD set. The God Who Speaks, tracing evidence for the Bible's inspiration and authority, was originally released in 2018. This special set includes features like two hours of new footage and a Sunday school curriculum. Learn more at thegodwhospeaks.org. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Here Jesus instructed his disciples to cross a lake and meet him on the other side of it. As they went, they were met by a violent windstorm that halted their progress. Often in our Christian lives, we receive clear instruction from the Lord, only to be met by an obstacle that halts our progress. We must, however, recognize that the onset of a storm does not cancel out God's instructions. Halted progress does not equal denied destination. When Jesus directed the disciples to go to the other side, he absolutely meant for them to get there. 
Delay does not equal denial. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with a minute in God's Word to help you keep moving forward. In Matthew 5.3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Are your house and your car still owned by the bank? What about your clothes? Do you still owe on the credit card you use to buy them? Sometimes people look great, but they don't own anything. You can look good on the outside, but still be broke. The same is true for us spiritually. If you rely on outward appearances of religion, morality, or happiness to communicate that you're doing okay, but you aren't saved, then your life is spiritually bankrupt. Acknowledging your brokenness opens you up to receive God's best blessings, blessings that are only available to those who admit their need and trust in Jesus. He gives the gift of eternal life. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1.3 American Family Radio Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. What will I say when I'm filled to the flame like I am right now? Welcome back to Exploring the Word, the number, 888-589-8840. We'll take your Bible questions. Hey, Bert, I've got to tell you uh, two quick things. I am so looking forward. Tomorrow night through Sunday, I'll be in Kansas, Medora Community Bible Church in Hutchinson, Kansas, with Pastor Dennis Hirschberger, and uh, that's just right near Wichita. And so we'll be there starting tomorrow night with a wonderful conference. I'm going to teach through the book of Acts. But listen to this. This morning I was on the phone with The Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center, and people are registering from all over the country. July 8 through 10, come to The Cove. I'll be teaching First Peter. And Bert, it's always a good time not only to get in the Word of God, but to get together with people from all over North America, and we pray, and we pray for revival. And so I want to meet you there July 8 through 10 at the Cove. We'll have an unforgettable time together in the beautiful mountains of North Carolina, but best of all, in the Word of God. And so the website for that is thecove.org, T-H-E-C-O-V-E, thecove.org. Alex, uh I, you, every time you talk about it, I can't help. I, I visualize being at the Cove. It is one of the greatest places. Uh, it's There are a few places that you just know the presence of God is stronger there, and the Cove is one of them, so do that. Mm. Hey, Alex, you're talking about Kansas? Do you see where well, our first caller is from? You know, you're right. Noah from Kansas Noah, thanks for holding. You're the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Oh, hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I listen to you guys every day, and I really love your broadcast, so thanks so much. 
Well, thank you. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. So my question is, um, so obviously God's plan for marriage was one man, one woman for life um, under his covenant. And that's very clear in scripture. But I was just wondering if that if that's like so integral to the Christian life and to God's way, um, why was he not like more like enraged and outspoken about like polygamy and having like concubines with like Solomon and David or some of the patriarchs? Like, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't there be like? I, I would assume there'd be like verse after verse of him like punishing Israel for that those kind of that kind of um, practice. Or what do you guys think? Okay, Noah, thank you, and uh, we appreciate that call. Let me just say this, uh, it, grace, uh, if he gave us, uh, all that we deserved, uh, there would be that punishment even greater than we have. I don't know why they were blinded by that. They let their culture override biblical truth and Alex, uh, they did it in their generation. Uh, it happens in our generation as well. Well, that's true. That That's true. And you know what? The Bible tells us that the husband and wife, Genesis says, are to become, quote, one flesh. And, you know, um, cheating and polygamy and multiple spouses, you know, for one thing, you know, that that's not a picture of the gospel because the gospel is, you know, Christ and his bride, the church. Uh, well, the the admonition that husband and wife become one, Genesis two twenty four, um, that wouldn't be true in a um, polygamous relationship or you know multiple spouses and uh, like in the case with David and Solomon and all the concubines and things like that, we we've got to remember that uh, not everything the Bible records does the Bible condone. While the Bible reports on it, it certainly doesn't endorse it, does it? It does not. And I would say this as well, Noah. You know, in our day, uh, premarital sex has become the norm, quote. And a lot of times we are, we're so harsh against abortion, and we should be, but we should also be as, as against the premarital sex many times that has caused the this pregnancy that is unwanted. And so uh, we that's the reason you preach, quote, the whole counsel of God. And uh, that's what we try to do here on Exploring the Word. Alex, uh, yeah. where we go to next? How about we go to West Virginia and we'll speak with Jackie. Jackie from West Virginia, you're on Exploring Hello. the Word. Yeah. Hello. I love you guys. Y'all, y'all keep me going in this, this world and stuff. Uh, thank you for you do you. for what you do. My question is, I think I read it in the new, in the Old Testament too, but I'm not sure. This is, uh, but I'm gonna ask you. I found it in Revelations two, and I always thought it was so beautiful. It's verse, it's uh, verse sixteen and seventeen, and it talks about he who has heard, let him hear the spirit that says to the churches, to him who conquers, I will give of the hidden, hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone, which no one except him who will receive it. Explain that to what that means to me. It, was, it, is, it is a beautiful language. I, I agree with you fully, Jackie. 
uh, but it's also full of meaning. The manna hidden to eat. How long was the manna good except on the day before the Sabbath? One day. Just one day? One day. Yeah. And he gives us one day. He, his manna, his grace, his spirit is sufficient for each day. But then you move to the stone, Alex. It seems like that's talking about in a, let me say it, a, a longer term. You catch what yeah, I, you understand? That's true. I think there's something to that, you know? Uh, you know what's really interesting? Um, much, much, much has been written. And by the way, Jackie, thank you for this really good question. The hidden manna. You know, remember Jesus told his disciples, he said, uh, I have meat to eat that you don't know about. Uh, but let me talk about the, the white stone. It says, I'll give a, that person a white stone with a new name written on it. People have wondered, what, what is this? You know, what is this white stone and a name written on it? But, Bert, I read in one commentary, in the ancient world, oftentimes they would put pebbles like in a container to make a decision, almost like casting lots. But when it was a yes or a, a innocent or somebody's exonerated from an accusation, if they pulled out the white pebble, it meant yes or set free or uh, you're declared innocent. You've won the court case. So at the very least, the white stone that we're given um, references the fact that from the condemnation of sin by the blood of Jesus, we've been exonerated. Isn't that something? Every accused person would want to get the white stone. Well, our advocate Jesus is going to hand it to us. Hallelujah. And uh, make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That, that is so real. So thank you so much, Jackie. Well, Helen from Arkansas. Helen, thanks for holding. Yes. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I appreciate what you fellas do for people. And I would like to ask you to pray for my little great-grandson. He's having blackout spells, and he's going through an MRI at 4 o'clock, and I would like for you all to pray for him. Helen, could we... Ha we can do without his first name. Would you mind giving us his first name? His name is Zephaniah Ray Brooks. Zephaniah. Amen. Alex, uh, we were called by Becky Drace, was it Tuesday, praying yeah. for her and your friend. And now uh, we want to pray for uh, this uh, Helen's grandson. Yes. Uh, let's, let's do that right now. Father, mm -hmm. in the name of the Lord Jesus, we're asking you at 4 o'clock, that whatever is there would be revealed. And, mm -hmm. Father, that the treatment would be complete. And, Father, however you choose to do the healing, touching his body, whatever that might be, medication, whatever that might be, surgery, therapy, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray that these blackout spells would be stopped, that there would be relief and there would be healing. We trust that. We ask that. Uh, but we want to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, but if not, God, you've got something else in mind. We don't want to miss that either. We want to walk with you in everything. But we mm -hmm. pray for this family, that you would be yes. close to them, give them wisdom and courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank, thank you. Helen, thank you for calling us on that. And we're very honored to pray for you and your family. Uh, Jerry in Mississippi. Jerry, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Dr. Alex and Bert. Uh, 
There's a scripture in Second Peter 3.10 that talks about the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. I've heard a lot of people say the Lord is coming as a thief in the night. Uh, so is, that, is there a difference as far as the Lord coming as a thief? Some people say in the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night. If you could explain that for me. Thank mm. you, Jerry. Great question. The thief in the night talks about what does the thief take? He takes what that is uh, needful. You know, the jewels. You remember the day he takes his jewels? He'll take yes. those. But it's also the thief in the night is the unexpectedness of it. Not It's not talking about two different things. The thief in the night coming could be the day of the Lord, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, the Bible uh, in a lot of places has... Uh, has much to say about the judgment, the final judgment. Um, the the day of the Lord, it, you know, Bert, in a way it's singular, but in a way it's plural. It, it's singular in the sense that, you know, uh, Bill Gaither was right. Uh, the marketplace is empty in the courtroom, no debate, because the king is coming. There's going to be a day when history, as we know it, will come to an end. The day of the Lord, this day of accounting and reckoning, and uh, everybody will appear before God. But in a way, Bert, it's also plural because um, the the end times, and you and I have taught about this and talked about this, um, there's a lot coming up, and perhaps we are very near a lot of these things in terms of history, the world becoming just engrossed in evil, uh, governments aligning against God and the people of God, and ultimately there'll be a battle of Armageddon, Christ will return, the church will be uh, with the Lord forever, but the the multitudes of unbelievers throughout history, and all of the nations that have opposed believers and Israel. You know, one of the ways that um, in the day of the Lord that nations are going to be judged is how they treated the Jewish people. And so there's there's the singular aspect: Christ is coming. We need to be ready. the The plurality of the day of the Lord, though. The, the evil world will be judged, and God ultimately will make all things right. You know, it says things will get worse and worse. The way the King James Version says it, wax worse. And when you wax, you put on and put on, you know. And uh, it, it does, it is those days. And they call it days of trouble, day of trouble. Yes. And uh, so, Jerry, we hope that helps you. Thief in the night, be ready when he comes. He's coming unexpected, but we can be ready. Where, where to for the last call of the day, Alex? Georgia, Maynard in Georgia. Thanks for holding, and welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so very much. Uh, would you be so kind to read Exodus, uh, uh, verse 11, Exodus 20, verse 11, as, and uh, determine if that includes the angels or not? In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, uh, and he rested on the seventh day. Uh, I believe, Bert, as I understand it, I believe that the angels would have been created before this present world because it says that they sang for joy at creation. The stars sang for joy. Uh, most all commentators take that to mean the, uh, the angels. So I think before the six days of creation, at some point prior, the angels had been created. That's what I've always understood, and, and there's evidence of it. Uh, what you have to look at with some of our questions that we have, 
uh, is look for the evidence. You don't necessarily have a direct quote, a direct answer. So as best we can, we look at the evidence that that this is the way it happens. We, we talk about eschatology. What you do, you know, Jesus says, I will come back. In Acts chapter 1, and it's talked about he's departed. He'll so come in like manner as you have seen him depart. We know that is the truth. But then the evidence, we start looking at the evidence of when that might happen and when this might take place. We come to those conclusions. When it comes to the angels, I think the evidence is, I would say, relatively clear that they were uh, earlier than the creation that we find here that he's talking about in verse 11, Alex. And and one of the great texts on that, folks, would be Job 38, 4 through 7. Job 38, 4 through 7. Because it does talk about the angels uh, singing and shouting praise at the creation. But that Job 38, Job says, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand uh, who marked off its dimensions, who stretched a measuring line across the sky. Because Job... 38 speaks about the the mechanics of creation and it says while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy and you know what Bert at some point and we don't exactly know when because it's very speculative to talk about things before time but pride was found in the heart of Lucifer he fell he took a third of the angels with him those fallen angels are now demons and so that's part of why the fall of Genesis 3 happened, because Satan couldn't kill God, but he's tried to harm the ones made in God's image. He's tried to hurt the most precious ones that he made. Alex, it's been good. I've enjoyed going through in Proverbs. Matter of fact, on Monday, uh, read ahead, chapter, uh, Proverbs 15. But tomorrow is Fire Away Friday. You going to be ready for all the questions? I believe so, and I'll be coming to you live from Kansas. Amen. Hey. North Carolina, Kansas, Texas, this guy is traveling again. So it's exciting to hear you going. Thank you guys for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. Jesus.